What does the average week look like for you? Sure, it may start with church on a Sunday morning, but by Monday, can any of us remember what the sermon was about? We spend so much of our time on just making it through the week. Helping our children with online school, balancing our job and our family life, finding time for our spouse or our significant other. But most of what we do related to our faith is crammed into about 80 minutes on a Sunday. Did you know that in a week there are 10,080 minutes? If we're spending only 80 of those focusing on our faith, what are we doing with the other 10,000? That's what this podcast is all about. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 10,000 Podcast, where we want to bring God into your 10,000 minutes each and every week. Thank you so much for listening each and every week and making this a part of your weekly routine to really bring God into your 10,000 minutes. My name is Sawyer Trapp. I'm our associate pastor here at Arise Church Denver, and I'll turn it over to our lead pastor, Matt Wolf. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Uh, right now, we're recording this on a rainy afternoon, and man, that has been pretty normal. Pretty normal now, yep. Lots of rain <laughs> here in Denver. Yeah, like... Quadruple, it was in the Denver Post compared to the Pacific Northwest. That's right. Uh, somewhere around there, mathematically, we can run the math. We're not mathematicians. We're uh, in the spiritual realm. That's right. But it's all been a lot of rain, um, including this afternoon. But maybe it's already cleared up by the time you're listening to us, and that's great because we love that you bring us into your ten thousand on mm-hmm. your dogs on your. Uh, when you're running errands, maybe you, maybe you're stuck in traffic right now. It's pouring rain, and and this is getting you through. Well, or, that's good. Or maybe you have sat down on your nice chair and you have a nice glass of iced tea and you're sipping it and just enjoying, savoring these moments that you get to share with us during the week. Wow, I feel honored. Yeah, I, I feel honored <laughs> that you're bringing us into your life. And because of that, I want to hear from you. It, I, we would love to hear. How do you listen to this? We'd love yeah, to hear let us know. Um, yeah, send us an email. You can see the link in the show notes mm-hmm. um, how to email both of us. Um, so today on our podcast, we're going to talk about hell. That's right. Um, and I know you're like, oh my gosh, it's a hell of a lot. <laughs> I said that joke. You did. Services. You did. Slipped out. Um, yeah, we're, we're, I know we talked about hell in the, in the message on Sunday, but I think it's good. We're going to talk about two things mm-hmm. today in this podcast, just giving you a little preview. The first thing is a little more theological, but, it, but helpful. The first one thing is about, the, did Jesus really descend into hell? Yep. This might be the first time you've ever heard of it. I mentioned it in my message Sunday, so we wanted to go a little deeper. Mm-hmm. I didn't even touch on it at all. Yep. I just mentioned it. The second thing we're going to talk about is how to talk to those people, and maybe you're one of them even that are listening, yeah. that think, I love Jesus, love the idea of salvation, the Bible, all that stuff, but hell, that's just a bridge too far for me. Right. So whether it's you or someone else you're listening to, we are actually going to talk about, I'm going to give you six things. Six reasons that you can talk with this friend or talk with yourself <laughs> about why actually hell is a doctrine we should embrace mm-hmm. and, and realize it's a very good thing. So six reasons. So we're going to talk about first, this, did Jesus descend into hell? Second, how to talk about hell. Sounds good. I'm excited. So l- l- tell me about this descending into hell. Right. So I, I think a lot of us, if we've grown up in church, specifically like more of a liturgical setting where maybe you say some of the creeds in your service, the Apostles' mm-hmm. Creed predominantly featured the lo- features the line, he descended into hell and on the third day was rose from the grave, you know, very prominently featured that line as part of the telling of um, the life, death and resurrection of Jesus. That's right. Um, one of my favorite lines is, 
you guys use the quicken the way. <laughs> yeah, that's I've right. I've always loved it. I love the language of quick. I know it's completely <laughs> antiquated. It means living, just in case you're wondering. There you go. But but the Apostles' Creed has quicken the way. But it does have that line. Yep. He descended to hell. Mm-hmm. So that means all Christians for all time are supposed to believe that Jesus, when he died on the cross, he went to hell, right? Well, before we get too far ahead of ourselves, it's from the Apostles' Creed. Okay. Which is not a bad thing, but it's not at the same level as the Bible. You mean that's not in the appendix of... It's not in the appendix. It's not like if you flip to the back after Revelation, there's like all these creeds that are like additional. It might be in your Bible. Some Bibles have it, yeah. but it is not part of the 66 books that God has given us as his word. And no Christians think it's part of... No. Yeah. No. Even people who say that every single week would say, no, 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 this is different than the Bible. Right. We say it, we believe it, our church believes it, mm-hmm. our nation believes it or whatever, but it's not in the Bible. So does that mean it's not true? Maybe. And I think that's what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Tell me, how so? Like, what what should we believe? Did Jesus go to hell when he died? Well, I think if we look at some verses, um, I think the main verse that it is based upon is in 1 Peter 3, um, starting in verse 18 and then going into 19. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, so Jesus was righteous or unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body and made alive in the spirit. And then verse 19, after being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, while the ark was still being built. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on the surface, these imprisoned spirits yeah. have been historically been determined to be those who are in hell. Mm-hmm. That Jesus, um, sometime pro- likely between his death and resurrection on the third day, did descend into hell and went and made some proclamations to the spirits who were in prison there. That's how, it, how it's been historically um, understood. Yep. Now, however, imprisoned spirits, that is an interesting way to describe hell. Mm-hmm. Nowhere else in the Bible does... Or is hell described that way? As you as you saw in your message, it's a lot of weeping and gnashing of teeth and fire, and there's all these symbolic descriptions. Also, it's after being made alive. Mm. Right in that verse, verse yeah. twenty, after being made alive. Yeah. Maybe in your Bible it says, "Or be but alive in the spirit." There could be a difference there in the way the language is interpreted. Mm-hmm. But after being made alive, so is this when Jesus was dead, or is this after? Is this talking about something else? This is a verse, to be honest, Matt, that has confused me for a really, really long time. And you're actually in very good company, Sawyer. Okay, well, that's good. I I have heard, and I can't remember the theologian, that says that this section of Scripture that kind of starts, I don't know, whatever is 3, um, 17. Kind of 17 to the end of the chapter through 22. All the way up through the beginning part of chapter 4. Yeah. One of the hardest to interpret passages in the entire New Testament. I feel better then. That's you should good. feel better too. <laughs> if you're listening to this, you're like, I've never heard of that. What the heck? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's talking about Noah, the ark, symbol, the, the symbol of baptism, baptism like all this stuff. Like, what the mm-hmm. heck is going on? Um, so that's okay. So there's one other verse though that talks about Jesus descending. Okay. So right. Mm-hmm. So so let's look at that verse too. Right. That's in Ephesians. Yeah, in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter four. Um, what verse was it again? 
and then we will get back to the first Peter. I, oh, I give you first Peter, Peter, first Peter, excuse me, Ephesians 4, um, we'll go into it, but verse 9. So verse 8 says, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took captives and he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. And then it says in verse 9, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So there's, it literally says that Jesus descended. Mm-hmm. So that language of descending is part of the scriptures. Yep. But with this, we have to wonder, is this talking about Jesus descending? And with the other one, is Jesus preaching, proclaiming to the captives? That's right. Talking about hell. Mm-hmm. Okay. So which one do you want to tackle first? I'll give you my interpretation of both. Okay. Well, we're already at we're already at Ephesians, so let's start there. So we'll go in reverse. Order. Okay. So in Ephesians four nine, it says that Christ, and it's it's quoting here. Mm-hmm. It's Psalm sixty. Pulling it from Psalm sixty eight. So in mm-hmm. Psalm sixty eight, it says, "When he ascended on high, he took many captives." So this is talking about Jesus' ascension, mm-hmm. and and Jesus' ascension is that after he lived on the earth for forty days after he was resurrected, he ascended into heaven. Right. This is like his last two raw. He ascends into heaven, and there he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That is actually considered his session. He's in session. I like that language. (laughs) Sitting on the throne, listening to your prayers. There you go. Um, So he ascended. So it's saying, but he descended. So could it be that he descended into hell? Perhaps. Perhaps. That's a possible interpretation. However, there's one other place in the book of Hebrews that talks about Jesus being made lower. And in Philippians chapter 2, two yeah. it talks about Jesus lowering himself. himself. You know. So the two other times in scriptures that talk about Jesus lowering or, or being lower, or in this case descending, descending, he's talking about how he was in heaven for all eternity as the Son of God, mm-hmm. and he lowered himself to become human. In fact, in this section, it says he descended to the lower earthly regions, mm-hmm. not below the earth, like hell is often referred to, or under the earth. It says the earthly regions. And so it's talking about, in my opinion, talking about being on the earth. Jesus being born as a human. He lowered himself yeah. to be born as a human, and now he's ascending mm-hmm. to heaven. So that's, I think we can throw that one out. Even though it uses the word descended, it doesn't anywhere say that he descended into hell. Right. There's yeah, no I would agree. indication anywhere mm-hmm. in that passage about hell at all. Right. Okay, so, so let's just put that out. Yes, we believe it's a possible interpretation, but unlikely. Right. Very unlikely. So now, if you're looking back at 1 Peter 3, this is the complex one. Mm-hmm. So I heard this interpretation. If I remember correctly, it's from Wayne Grudem. He has a commentary on 1 Peter. So I don't think okay. he's the, the only one who's come up with this. I just remember studying it in his commentary on 1 Peter. We'll, we'll find it and link it down in the show notes if you really want to dive if, in if and read really some commentaries. And, and he <laughs> is a, a Bible scholar and theologian at... Phoenix Seminary. Yeah, Phoenix yep. Seminary. Brilliant guy, right? Um... So what he says is, like, you're looking at this, and what we do is we immediately interpret it from our background of Western, uh, for us Americans, a lot of us maybe have heard that Apostles' Creed that mm-hmm. ascended into hell. Yep. And so you just assume that when he makes proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, people almost like assume it, like... Re- reinforces the creed by even though you're using the creed to interpret the passage. Right, you have that in your head already, and so when you read a passage like this, you're like, oh, it has to be talking about that. Um, but it does seem to say that when he was made alive, that's right. he went. You are so right, is the passage itself talks about after he's made alive. Mm-hmm. 
He was put to death in the body, verse 18. We know that that's talking about his crucifixion. Absolutely. But made alive in the spirit. And after being made alive, so after being made alive, um, and, and I think some people try to interpret that a little bit differently, but I think that's the best interpretation of that grammatical phrase. It's right. After being made alive, mm-hmm. he went to make the proclamation. So this is the interpretation that I have based on what Wayne Gruden said. Mm-hmm. And it's based on the concept of ancient cosmology. Okay, pay close attention here, okay? You might want to be sitting down on your porch with some iced tea for this next section. We'll see. Focus on this. Cosmology is your view of the supernatural world around Mm -hmm. us. Okay, in the ancient world, if you read any Jewish sources, they had all sorts of intricate ideas of what the um, heavens and hell was like. And I say heavens on purpose. Right. Paul himself talks about being caught up into the third heaven in St. Corinthians 12. Mm-hmm. So there's this concept of multiple heavens. So the first heaven, our equivalent would be the Earth's atmosphere. Yep, like the sky. The second sky. heaven might be considered space. the stars, yeah. outer space. The third heaven would be the highest heaven where uh, our Father and, and now Jesus is sitting at the right hand. And I think that even connects with the previous passage. It says the lower earthly realms. That would be like the earth. Yes. In their ancient cosmology. So, and even, and truth be told, the other ancient Jewish writings expanded that. There were more than three. There were seven heavens. <laughs> and there were sometimes multiple levels of hell as mm-hmm. well. So a lot of writers kind of took that concept of potentially three heavens and expanded it and expanded it. And, and here are the angels that lived at this type of heaven and <laughs> demons at this type of hell and all that stuff. Okay. Yep. Most of that is made up just a lot of creativity. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Read Dante's Inferno. Interesting. Fascinating. Yes. Very creative. Okay? I don't think any of it necessarily is true. True. Uh, But the cosmology was that in this second heaven, Mm -hmm. perhaps there were imprisoned spirits. Mm. And you you could look at these sources, these ancient Jewish sources, but there was this concept is that was where the demons even were imprisoned. Mm. The spirits in prison, it doesn't say the, the living spirits or the human beings in prison, Mm-mm. just the spirits in prison. And those spirits perhaps were demons that were imprisoned in this, not the highest heaven, but in one of the heavens. And it would have they would have thought of it cosmologically as in the sky. Mm-hmm. So if Jesus is ascending to that highest heaven from earth, he would have to pass by one of the lower heavens mm-hmm. where the demons are all captive. And on his way up, he proclaims the good news. By the way, death has been defeated. Satan has been conquered. You will all be thrown into the lake of fire. Mm -hmm. Boom. Freedom is being proclaimed to the imprisoned spirits. So this is a potential interpretation. Okay. There are brilliant theologians who disagree (laughs) with it, and I think that's all. I think that makes the most sense. Mm -hmm. Once again, this is one of the hardest passages in the Bible to interpret. So... But I would say, as you kind of look at it, and if you study it, that's a, maybe a slightly better. And I hold this very tentatively, very open-handed. Yeah. Convince me that I'm wrong here. <laughs> but, but I don't find anywhere in here that it's saying that Jesus descended into hell. Mm-hmm. Period. So, I mean, after looking at the Bible, I think the verses that maybe have the best or have been used to um, support this position are maybe problematic or maybe un unsupported at best, unclear. Yeah, and, and so... And, and one theological principle is you, we don't build key doctrines on hard-to-interpret texts. Yeah. We, we try to find the clearer ones so that we can build the, the most confident things. So did Jesus descend into hell? It's a possible Maybe, yeah. 
but not necessarily one that we teach or right. we feel. Mm-hmm. If you believe that, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. I do think it's undoubtedly true that Jesus experienced hell. Mm-hmm. Because what is hell? Separation from God. And he says it right there on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Absolutely. So he experienced what it was like to be separated from God mm-hmm. on the cross. And he went to the ground for three days. And that's why I said that in my message. Some people think he descended into hell. Either way, he experienced hell. It's true. And he did that for us so that you and I don't have to experience it. Yeah, so there you go. all that theological discussion to get to the point where it's so good, mm-hmm. so true. If you realize Jesus suffered hell so you don't have to, man, I want to believe in that guy. Absolutely. I want to believe in that guy. And that brings us to our second topic of the day, topic du jour. <laughs> how do we talk to people or, or talk to ourselves when we're thinking, I love Jesus, I love heaven, I love the Bible, it's a hell bridge too much. Yeah, and it is. I think I think a lot of us, um, even who have been following Jesus for a long time, as we start to dive into what the Bible says about hell, what Jesus says about hell, as you shared that 13% of the time talking about it, it can be hard. It can be like, man, this is a difficult thing for me to accept. And so I think these, these are things that are going to be helpful for maybe somebody who is completely saying, nah, I can't do hell at all. Like, I can't believe in that at all. Or even some of us are saying, yeah, I look at the Bible, I look at what Jesus has said, and and I feel like I need to believe in hell. Like, Jesus talked about it, but it's difficult, it's hard. And so I think these are going to be helpful in, in no matter what camp you might be in. Yeah, so I have these six different um, ideas. Okay. Six different um, lines of argumentation in mm-hmm. sense, that defend the concept of hell, that it's actually a good thing, that there is a reality that God created hell. Mm-hmm. So here are the six ones. And I've covered some of these before in messages. One of them I did cover this past Sunday, but I'm yeah. going to go over it again. So the first one is justice. Mm. Justice. A very, very important and popular topic right now. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, hell should probably be the most popular concept today. Mm. People think about it. Because we don't always get justice in this life. Absolutely. There are lots of people so angry about what happened to their ancestors hundreds of years ago that still to this day has not been resolved. That's right. You know, it just the, multiple the, lifetimes now, multiple, multiple lifetimes. generations. There's a story about like 200 plus children, indigenous children, found buried beneath a school in Canada. Yeah. And yeah. it's disgusting and awful and despicable some of the stuff that was happening in, in the history, in the past. Things that, that happen today. now, yeah, and sadly, yeah. things that will happen in the future. And there are people that died never having to face justice mm-hmm. for what they did in this life. It is sad and despicable. So, it, when when I think about that, it makes me think. Well, sometimes we need something past this life to bring mm, justice. Yeah. And here's the reality: we all acknowledge it. So I remember getting in a conversation with a neighbor uh, about hell, and and he was. He, I don't know if he's a believer or not, but he was talking about how he had heard about this preacher that doesn't preach about hell anymore, doesn't think hell is real, and how great of a thing that was. He was mm, trying to make okay. a connection with me. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 that's not a good thing. <laughs> we need hell. And he was shocked. He yeah. Was like, what do you mean we need hell? I said, we all want hell. And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, there are people who need justice. And case in point was Ariel Castro. Mm. If you remember the news story back from, I don't even know, 2014 or something like that, that he um, was... 2013, I'm sorry. 2013. He was a man who had... Uh, taken four women captive and held them as sex slaves mm-hmm. in his basement house until finally, you know, I don't remember the exact story. One of them escaped. And Something like that, yeah. Rescued him. Do you remember what his sentence was? I, I know you, I think you've told this story before, but I don't remember. It was life plus 1,000 years. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a secular justice system by 
who knows what the, the faith or religious makeup of the, the 12 jurors, but they and the judge decided that one life without parole was not enough. Not enough. Mm-hmm. Even death would not be enough. But a thousand years beyond death was the punishment for this guy. But can he serve a thousand years? No. No. Unless there is a hell. Mm-hmm. There are certain people, and, and I think all of us would say there are certain people who deserve justice past this life. Now, you might not think they deserve the fires of hell for eternity, but you might say they do deserve some justice after this life because they did not pay the consequences for what happened to them. Yeah. So if you want justice, and we should all long for justice, Mm -hmm. you want hell. So that's point one. That's a good point. Yeah. Second point is that hell is just. Mm. And by this, I mean God has said, and Jesus actually talked about it multiple times, that the punishment fits the crime. The punishment fits the crime. People will only be punished in hell to the extent that they sinned in this life. So Dante's Inferno is right? I don't know. <laughs> that might be too much. Might be too much. You know, we can want to ask about where lawyers are in the big scheme of things now. Um, you know, but we, Jesus does talk about it. It'll be far worse for these people That's true. than these. It'll be far worse. Jesus says that multiple times in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. And it's taught in a couple other places, in Luke, in Matthew, and then in Romans chapter 2 and Hebrews chapter 10. There's a whole bunch of scriptures that mm-hmm. talk about varying degrees of punishment, meaning not everyone will face the same punishment in hell. So if you're thinking, oh my gosh, how could they be tortured by demons forever? For one, you're getting your cosmology from... That, that's Inferno. a lot from Dante's Inferno, right. yeah. That's probably not in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but... The punishment will exactly fit the crime. Mm-hmm. It won't be, you know, five years for um, a possession of a dime bag. <laughs> it, it won't, you know, like we, we see these crimes or, or we see someone who like raped multiple people and gets three months of um, probation. And you're like, what? Right. That punishment doesn't fit the crime. In this life, punishment doesn't always fit the crime. But with a just God who knows everything, knows the ins and outs of someone's soul, their motives, mm-hmm. the, what led them to that experience, their psychological state at the time of the crime, which none of us can know. We can't, yeah. God knows, and he makes the punishment fit the crime. Mm. So I, I think that's helpful to know. Okay, so it perhaps isn't as bad as for that person. I'm sure it'll be bad, but it's going to be exactly meeting the sin and crime in this life. That's the second thing. So justice, so justice one, two, and it is just. Is just. Okay. The third thing is what kind of God would God be if he forced people to go to he- heaven who don't want to go to heaven? Mm. That's an interesting thought. I know you mentioned something similar to that in your message on Sunday, and it was mm-hmm. something that I hadn't really considered, like God forcing people to go to heaven who don't want to be there, who have given their lives to something other, to, to finding what is, <laughs> um, wh- what they've given their life to, God forcing them into heaven, as you said in your message, would for them be hell. Right. It, it would be coercion to the fullest degree. I mean, it, yeah. to force somebody who doesn't want to be, who doesn't want to believe, who doesn't want to be around Christians, who doesn't want to be in heaven, to do that would be unjust. It, it would be. Um, and we're so big nowadays on consent. Mm-hmm. Like, we want consent for all things. Nobody wants to be forced to do anything. Right. You know, we're all talking about freedom to make our decisions about masks and vaccines and all sorts of stuff. And we fight and argue about all this mm-hmm. stuff. But the point is, we like our free will. We like to make our own decisions. Yeah. And if we had a God that forced you for the rest of eternity to be somewhere that you didn't want to be, mm-hmm. that doesn't sound like a very loving God. 
No, it doesn't. Um, the fact that God gives us the free will to choose mm-hmm. and to choose to be apart from him for eternity, he lets us make that decision. Yeah. So that's that's the third point. Um, and, and maybe you would say free will there is the name of that. Mm-hmm. God gives us free will. He lets us freely choose that. And that's a loving thing to do. Absolutely. So the fourth one, and this is one that I did explicitly really talk, dive into in my message, is just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's not real. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't like a lot of things that are real. I mean, I, w- I wish natural disasters didn't exist. I wish the pandemic yeah. was false. But you know what? Those are things that exist. And how my opinions or feelings about them doesn't make them exist or not. Right. <laughs> reality is reality, not mm-hmm. your feelings. Yeah. So, I mean, that just should be a pretty... like. So let's actually see what the scriptures say. Let's, let's see what Jesus said about mm-hmm. it. And he does say it's real. Yeah, absolutely. That's the fourth thing. The fifth thing is, and I mentioned this, I had a great quote from C.S. Lewis, but like, what do you want God to do? Mm-hmm. What do you want God to do? Do you want, because some people do say this, I want God to let everyone into heaven. Mm-hmm. Like, why can't they just let everyone in? Even those worst guys, Aero Castro, sure, he serves, he's a thousand years in hell. He pays <laughs> the punishment. Um, Hitler, okay, that's a hard one, right? Yeah, that's a hard one. Hitler, <laughs> but but okay, he he repents and he confesses he did wrong. Maybe he even makes retribution to all the the six million um, that were killed in mm-hmm. the Holocaust. Okay, if that's even possible, yeah, which seems it seems higher than that. <laughs> yeah. Let's just say he does all of those mm-hmm. things. Then you want God to let him in? How? So let me just ask you this question: How comfortable would you be if Hitler lived in your neighborhood? I'd probably move. Okay. How, how comfortable would you be if you knew there was a sex offender next door? Well, I mean, it, a lot. some people are in those situations right now. They we have, don't like it. Yeah, we don't, we don't like, like it at all. Yeah. Okay, I just got a ring doorbell, mm-hmm. okay, because someone stole uh, a, uh, what's it called, a scooter from my porch. Oh, okay. I mean, it was probably mm-hmm. just some kid. I don't know. But, but we got a ring doorbell, just, you know, an extra layer of mm-hmm. security. Now you're on candid camera. If you try to rob something from my porch. Um, But the point is, we lock our doors. We have fences. Some of you own weapons. We all take some degree to protect us from the people around us. Mm -hmm. We are nervous when there are murderers around. Mm -hmm. If When there's someone on the loose, like somebody with an assault rifle on the loose. Like, you're not like, oh, let me just go out with my kids uh, on a normal walk. Yeah. You're going to be a little more careful, right? What if those people were with you for eternity in heaven? Mm. And now I'm having to lock my doors, get fences, uh, put bars on my windows, carry a weapon in heaven. That doesn't quite sound like the image of, of um, no no pain, no tears, no, no worries. It sounds yeah. like hell to me. Mm. It sounds like life 2.0, except now these people are there forever and ever and ever to concoct new ways to hurt you. Mm. So I just throw that imaginary scenario out there, and it's hard because some people don't think about it like that, but... I mean, how could it not be? Heck, if there was just somebody who wanted to, like, vandalize your house in heaven, like, that's, I mean, come on. Like, that's right. It's not fun. Like, even petty crimes, in our opinion, mm-hmm. like, just ruin it for everyone. So if, there, if sinners who choose to continue to sin are allowed into heaven, they, they make it hell. Yeah. Instead, what we're told is it's the spirits made perfect who enter into heaven, those mm-hmm. who are glorified. So those who have finally turned over the will to Jesus, and at the very end, because we're never going to be perfect in this life. That's right. But at the very end, we have so humbled ourselves and surrendered that God makes us perfect. Mm-hmm. 
in a, in a split second. He, he said, you have humbly said, I want your will, not my will. And those are the people who are going to be in heaven because God will finally transform them. Everybody mm-hmm. else, if he transformed them, he'd be forcing them to do something they don't want to do, which we already covered. <laughs> Goes against free will, yep. Right. So that's what I would say is the fifth point is, like, what do you want God to do? Mm-hmm. Do you really want him to let all these awful sinners in who are unwilling to repent? Because mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. Okay, so that's my fifth thing. Here's the sixth one. Sixth and final one. Do you want to risk it? Mm-hmm. Okay? I, I don't think this is the best reason to believe in God. We can debate that on another <laughs> But if it's possible that there is a hell, whether I like it or not, whether I think it's awful and God is terrible for having a hell and sending people there or allowing them to go there, sure. which I would say is more, mm-hmm. he just sends them where they want to go. Yep. Use the doors. <laughs> um, do you want to risk it? Yeah. Yeah, if, if hell is real, if God is who he says he is, if there is a judgment coming, if we have done wrong, which we have, then do we want to live our lives in constant fear and worry that we are incorrect? Or do we want to find (laughs) the grace and mercy and love and opportunity for heaven found in Jesus? Yeah. Let's take a chance on that. Yeah. I, I don't want to spend eternity in hell. Yeah, me neither. And if it were only that, and I think that there's far greater reasons mm-hmm. to believe in Jesus. For As we've outlined, yeah. Far greater reasons to believe in Jesus. But at the very least, you'd say, I don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. If, if there's a chance, yeah. I don't want to go there. Yeah. And so if you're, if you're sitting there now and, and starting to think through and process um, all the things that we've said, we'd, lo- we'd love to connect with you and talk more about these things and, and, and answer any questions that you may have or as you start to have these conversations with other people, as, as conversations come up, as you begin to help other people follow Jesus no matter where they are, we, we would love to be a resource to you and, and really help you. Can fi- as, as Matt said earlier, we, you can find our information down in the show notes and we would just love for hell to be a topic that we talk about because it is true, it is biblical, and one that ultimately motivates us towards heaven, right? I hope so. Yeah. I hope it does. So, yeah, and, and maybe I give you these six reasons. Maybe you have a seventh or an eighth. Did <laughs> I miss something? I'm sure I did. Mm-hmm. We'd love to hear that too. Maybe I can add it to my list. There you go. Um, we'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to hear all that stuff. So thanks for listening, and we'll be back with you next week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening. This is Sawyer Trapp again, associate pastor here at Arise Church Denver. We want to encourage you to do three things. First is to subscribe, to make sure you're getting the podcast each and every week to help bring God into your 10,000. We'd also love it if you would share this, if you would make this not only a part of your life, but a part of somebody else's. And then finally, if you are benefited by anything that we do, either as a church or on this podcast, we would love it if you would give. You can do that at risedenver.com slash give to continue to support the mission and impact that we're having on this community and then the lives of the people of our church and those discovering us for the first time. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.